These are exciting days to be alive. Uh, I would not want to live in any other era, but this time we are in a season uh, where we're changing seasons and we're leaving what we would call the season of the church or the church era and coming into the kingdom era. Right. And uh, we've never come this way before. So this is a whole new day. Um, we can't use a map. If we use a map, it means someone's already been there. We're using the compass of the Holy Ghost. And we're tracking the Spirit of God and finding out what He's doing in this day and what He has in store. Uh, in the words of Joshua, we have never come this way before. And these are exciting days, and we are trying to articulate what the kingdom of God looks like. It's not an event, first of all, it's a people. And so I'm looking at the kingdom of God. Uh, it is not something that is futuristic. Uh, it, is, it is present tense. Amen. In fact, a lot of people are waiting for move of God. Can I say it this way? You are the move of God. Just... Just touch your neighbor and say, I'm sitting by God's move. Yeah, you're not, you're not waiting for revival. You are the revival. Amen. You are someone's healing. You are someone's miracle. You are someone's deliverance. Uh, God always uses a man or woman. Amen. How many know that God, uh, if he wants to move in the earth, he needs an earth suit? And I'm looking at his earth suits this morning. Amen. And so God finds he wraps himself in flesh, amen, and we see that in the pattern son, Jesus Christ, who in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word of God came and tabernacled or wrapped himself in flesh, and he's still doing that today. In fact, he was so impressed, the father, with, with what he did with the first son, it so behooved him, he says, I want to make a whole bunch of sons just like him. And I'm looking at a whole lot of them today. And when, I, when I'm speaking, sons, how uh, I many know in the kingdom of God, <clears throat> there is neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female. So when I'm saying, sons, I'm speaking to you women also. And the women said, amen. amen. I want to get right to the word this morning because I believe what I have for you is a prophetic word. Um, I don't believe I could preach this just anywhere. I believe it's tailor-made for you. So if I could have your undivided attention for the next six hours, we'll try to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, my wife tells me... It's my wife tells me all the time, she says, honey, she says, you carry a briefcase, but your case isn't very brief. <laughs> but uh, I talk really fast, so I usually get two messages in one. So, um, but I want you to stand with me for a minute if we can. I want to prepare our hearts for this because <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, when he moves, he moves, he has different operations, there's different anointings. And the anointing, I believe, this morning is a prophetic impartation. Uh, normally when I go out, <clears throat> I usually move in more of an apostolic anointing, but today it's a prophetic anointing. And it is my assignment this morning is to define <clears throat> this next season. And when I speak of this next season, I'm speaking of this church also, because this church, um, your pastors are apostolic and prophetic, and they carry a weighty mantle. Um, I really appreciate being around them. I pray for them all the time. Uh, I believe in what they're doing. I believe God is raising up. We're speaking about first fruit. And that was one of the things God spoke to me early this morning about this church. This is the first fruit church. And God will always raise up a first fruit in the earth and becomes his wave offering, if you will, in the earth. And it becomes the pattern, if you will, the model. It becomes a standard for what God's about to do. And so God usually begins with a remnant. Uh, he can say by many or by few. Uh, you know, God's not always into mega. It usually starts with micro. Right. And so I believe in this church. I believe in your pastors and what God is doing in and through them. I'm excited about the future of this church. Um, I'm excited to see what God is going to do in and through each and every one of you. I thank you for supporting them with your time, your talent, and your treasure. 
Amen. They have a vision that they carry, and uh, they need a priesthood, a plurality of ministry to help them carry the weight of what God has given them. And I believe this region is going to be impacted, not only here in, in, in Fort Erie, but also in through Buffalo and many different areas as a result of this ministry. What God has planted here is going to grow. It's going to grow. So I'm encouraged what God is doing here. But today is going to be a prophetic impartation. Can we pray? Father, we thank you and praise you. We celebrate your presence. <clears throat> we celebrate who you are, what you're doing. We value, Lord God, <clears throat> what you're doing in this house. I thank you for the vision. I thank you, Lord God, it's expanding. It's an ever-growing vision. I thank you, Lord God, <clears throat> for your prophetic influence. This day we're asking you, Holy Spirit, there would be an impartation of the prophetic word you've given to me and to every heart. I thank you for the good ground that is here. I pray, Lord God, that the seed, as it is sown, it will bring forth fruit 100-fold. And so, Father, I pray your blessings upon this word. I thank you for your goodness and mercy this day that you bestowed upon us. We thank you and praise you for this church. Thank you for Light City Church, the influence it's making, the impact of salt and light influencing this region for your glory and for your honor. We pray these things in Jesus' matchless strong name we pray. Amen. Touch three people and tell them you'll be blessed by the word today. <coughs> When I go out, I don't always <clears throat> like to take or do I need notes, but because this is so tailor-made for this church, there's some things I pen down that I will, <coughs> excuse me, that I will be reading to you because I don't want to miss, thank you very much, what the Lord is saying. Um, I would like you to go with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Zechariah. It's the next to the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah. <clears throat> If you would go with me to chapter 9 in your hearing. And I'm going to begin with verse 9. When you're there, say praise the Lord. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh. Thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass. My assignment is to define the next move in the apostolic dimension. And because this church is apostolic and prophetic, amen, this word is tailor-made for you. Are we communicating? Yes. There's an anointing on this house the Lord spoke to me last night that is coming upon this house. It's a Cornelius anointing. And the Cornelius anointing is one that brings divine uh, relationships and partnerships. It brings divine appointments. I want you to start expecting divine appointments, uh, divine relationships that literally will be a catalyst for the advancement of the kingdom of God in your lives individually and also corporately. It's much like Peter and John. There was a divine relationship between them, and as a result, there was major breakthroughs and even release some miracles in and through these two. So there's a Cornelius anointing that's upon this house, coming upon this house, and this mantle is going to cause divine appointments relationships and partnerships that will unpack the kingdom of God. Amen. We see here in verse 9, we're going to go verse by verse. Are you ready? Understand, um, this is a prophetic picture, first of all, of Jesus. This was his final entrance into Jerusalem right before the crucifixion. 
and we know that Jesus had come in, he come riding upon these two donkeys. It is also a prophetic picture of the end time apostolic prophetic church. Amen? It's a shadow of the end time remnant church. Uh, the Bible tells us we're to be established in present day truth. When you read the Bible, you should always read it and find out what is God saying now. I know it's a historical book, but if it's just a historical book to you, you will never have a greater understanding of what God is saying prophetically to this generation. So we have to be established in present day truth. Are we still communicating? This verse describes how the Lord is going to move in this present season. I need you uh, to understand this. He comes riding upon two donkeys. Now understand, these two donkeys are not female. The older donkey is a father donkey, and the colt or the foal is the Hebrew word ben or son. So when Jesus came in in his triumphal entry, he came in on a father and a son donkey. In this day, God's going to move, hallelujah, through father-son relationships. I know you understand that you have an apostolic father and an apostolic mother in this house. Amen. This is the season. If I was to define or to name the next season, which I don't like to do, but for your understanding, I would call it the apostolic father-son kingdom age. The apostolic father-son kingdom age. So therefore, when God has a family, amen, there's always going to be a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. How many know God is a triune God? He's a God of excellent things. And the word excellent means threefold. God does everything in threes. Something about God from the Old Testament to the New. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Spirit, soul, body. Faith, hope, charity. The greatest of these is what? Charity or love. God moves in threes. Therefore, also, hallelujah, in this dimension... What God gives you is a natural father, a spiritual father, and a heavenly father. Amen? And you have to identify who your spiritual father is. That's how you receive apostolic inheritance. This church is getting set up for an apostolic inheritance. It always flows from father to son. When I say son once again, I'm also talking to you women. And the women said yes. Hallelujah. So understand, uh, it's very important you know that our churches must be crafted on the sonship, listen to me, on sonship and not just membership. Most churches have membership, but what God is doing is about sonship. You are part of an apostolic family here. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This church is full of sons and daughters, and you have an apostolic spiritual mother and father. Now in Malachi, the closing of the book of Malachi, it closes with the prophet who prophesied that God would restore the spirit of Elijah, right? And the power of Elijah in the earth, the spirit and power of Elijah. This prophecy came 400 years prior to the birth of Christ. And what I find amazing is, is for 400 years from the prophecy of Malachi until the birth of Christ, 400 years, there is silence. Could you imagine 400 years there's no prophet bringing a word of the Lord? I mean, those are very dark times. There is the only miracle that is recorded during those times is once a year, out of God's mercy, an angel would come down and stir the waters. Could you imagine only hearing of one miracle a year? And only one person would get healed. The first person who got in the waters when they were stirred got healed. Incredible. Those had to be very difficult times not hearing the word of the Lord. And I often wondered why, God, why is it through all Scripture you're speaking in the Old Testament, New Testament, but there's this span of 400 years of silence. The Lord began to speak to me several years ago. He says, uh, why would I speak a word 
or release my blessings or inheritance in the earth if there's not a man who will pass it as inheritance to the next generation. So God could not speak because there was no fathers. In fact, the book of Malachi is about a rebuke to the fathers because they did not have a legacy for sons. Are we still communicating? Hallelujah. In fact, think about the first miracle. The first miracle, hallelujah, that was ever done was with Jesus and his 12 sons. So even miracles can't take place. The reason why we're waiting for miracles and the reason why he's preaching miracles is because they're about to come to this church. Why? Because God is establishing something here. Isaiah said, I and the children that you've given to me are for signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Signs and wonders only can be restored through the father and son order, and God's about to restore them in this house. That's a good place to clap. Hallelujah. Jesus represents sonship, and at 30 years of age, he comes to the Jordan. Now understand, there's been no miracles. And who's he meet? John the Baptist. John the Baptist represents restored fatherhood. Why? What did he come in? He come in the spirit of what? Elijah. What was Elijah? A spiritual father. So finally, after 400 years, God restores a man by the name of John the Baptist. He comes in the fathering spirit. And so for Jesus to fulfill all righteousness, he has to have a spiritual father like he has a heavenly father. So he goes to the Jordan, and there he's going to be baptized. John the Baptist tells him, hey, listen, I'm not worthy to even untie your shoes, let alone baptize you. And Jesus says, unless you do this, righteousness cannot be fulfilled. The order of God cannot be fulfilled back in the earth. I can't do a miracle until I have a spiritual father. See, God's about to restore miracles. The church for years has been pleading and begging God, we need miracles. And so what God does, we pray for miracles. He restores order, the father and son order. Now we're about to see the miraculous. So after 400 years, the silence is broken. And now Jesus, after righteousness and the orders restored, father, son, order. Now for three and a half years, he has a miracle campaign. Hallelujah. Are we still communicating? The heavens were open. The divine order had been restored. And we have, the church has been asking for an open heaven. We sing songs about open heaven. Open heaven, listen to me, an open heaven is over every son who was fathered. Amen. So I come to declare to you, this house has an open heaven. There is an open heaven. That's why God is doing so many wonderful things in this house and in your life. And, 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 and if I were you, I would build my expectation. Because expectation is the mother of all miracles. Write that down. Expectation is the mother of all miracles. You want miracles, you need to get your expector on and expect miracles, especially in an environment like this. And so what is, it, what is an open heaven? I want to make it real simple. An open heaven is God's yes and amen. Yes, you can start that business. Yes, you can advance the kingdom of God. And an open heaven, when there's an open heaven, everything is open, even the Father's wallet is open. And God's about to open his wallet over this church. I told you I'd prophesy this morning. Hallelujah. And so God is getting ready to open the heavens in a way we've never seen it before. This model, when restored, will release unprecedented miracles, signs, and wonders. Signs and wonders. As this divine order is restored, God will visit the earth, listen to me, by pouring out his glory in an unlimited fashion. 
Something is happening so unique in this house because God has raised up a man and woman and he's put a fathering spirit and a mothering spirit upon them and he brought all of you here from many different parts of this community, amen, to come underneath the anointing and the mantle of a spiritual father and mother. You are really blessed. In all my travels where I go around the world many times and I'm involved with multiple networks, I have not met other than my church. This is the only church that I go to that really gets it. I would venture to say that compared to most churches that I go to and most apostolic leaders around the world, you are probably a good two, three years ahead of most churches. So you definitely are a first fruit company that God is raising up to do something extraordinary in the earth. Amen? Hallelujah. Do you remember Moses? The Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God and the children of Israel knew the acts of God. See, Moses was a spiritual father. A spiritual father, what he will do, he will lead you in the way. What I mean the way, the way is the culture of God. There is a culture in this house. I celebrate your culture. Well, your spiritual parents have brought this culture. They bring you into the way. But listen to me, they bring you into the way, hallelujah, so you can fulfill the acts. Hallelujah. John the Baptist, what did he do? He was a spiritual father who prepared the what? The way. The way. And what did Jesus do? How many know John the Baptist never did one miracle? He came in the spirit of Elijah, but he never had the power of Elijah. There's not one recorded miracle that he did. But now here's Jesus as a spiritual son, hallelujah. He, for three and a half years, hallelujah, he moves in the acts of the spirit. Hallelujah. Signs and wonders. Hallelujah. So please understand what is about to take place here is the miracles that are about to happen are not just going to flow through these two. They're leading you in the way. And that culture will pave the way. It'll prepare the way for you to do the miracles. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Are we still communicating? Let's go to verse 10 here. And verse 10 says, and I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the horse from Jerusalem, the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. This father-son wineskin that God is establishing in the earth today and in this house, it breaks the chariot and the bow. It is a curse-breaker anointing. Hallelujah. I want you to tell your neighbor there's no curse in my life. The curse has been broken. Don't, don't nurse a curse, rehearse the curse. The curse is broken. Hallelujah. That's what the covenant has done. Amen? Understand something. It is a breaker anointing. In fact, it is a mantle of might. God just gave me a series I did about six months ago. It's called the mantle of might. And God says, in this new season, the apostolic father-son kingdom age, I'm giving my sons, hallelujah, and my daughters a mantle of might. It is a mantle of power. Hallelujah. And understand something, this, this mantle of might is what came upon Jesus, and it came upon him, like, remember the Jordan, like a dove. Now, it wasn't a pigeon that landed on his head. It was a metaphor. It was like a dove. Please understand the principle of this dove. Are you ready? It's a metaphor to describe his anointing. Listen to the characteristics of this anointing, this mantle of might. Doves only have one mate for life. Now, pigeons have multiple mates. A dove only has one mate. Hallelujah. Uh, most Christians are really pigeons and not doves. 
because they jump from church to church and have multiple mates. They don't know how to, come on, they don't know how to get in, come on. And understand, it's never been the church of your choice. God sets the members as it pleases him. God set you here because it pleased him. It may not please you, <laughs> but it did please him to set you here. <laughs> Are we still communicating? Yeah. Hallelujah. Understand something? The dove has nine main feathers on each of its wings, empowering its flight. The Holy Ghost has nine gifts and nine fruits. This anointing, you move in all nine gifts and all nine fruits. Someone say yes. These gifts and fruits empower you to soar the heavens and into your destiny. Uh, the dove has five main feathers on his tail. Five is the number of grace and fivefold ministry that empowers you to live in the spirit, to operate in the spirit. Say, that's my anointing. The dove is the only bird in which its wings point upward and not downward. The anointing always points to Jesus. It is always Christ-centered. It's always looking to glorify God. It's always elevating in worshiping and in praise. Hallelujah. The next thing we see about this order, it says that it brings peace in verse 10. Everybody say peace. peace. Peace is so important because in this season, hallelujah, when we live in such an adversarial world that's full of civil wars and war everywhere, we are here to bring peace. Hallelujah. In fact, it says in Romans 16 somewhere, it says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He didn't say the God of war, but the God of peace. So we're moving, there's a shifting now in the anointing. Our warfare is going to be peace. Hello, somebody. I need you to get this. Peace is not tranquility, but it is relational harmony. Hallelujah. Jesus made peace by shedding his blood at the cross. He made peace. Peace is not something that just happens. Amen? You make peace. It's not accidental. It is intentional. You make peace. In fact, there was an old saying in the days uh, of Christ that when a bone had been broken and it was mended back together, they would say the bone made peace. And then where it was calcified together, it was stronger than it was before the break. Hallelujah. I'm finding in this season that God is reconciling relationships. I would encourage you, and I speak prophetically in this house, that many relationships, even with family members that there has been a breaking, there has been a mending is about to come. Hallelujah. And those relationships will be stronger than before they were broken. And it's a time of reconciliation. Everyone say yes. Hallelujah. Understand this. Jesus said this, blessed, in his first message, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the sons of God. So he's telling us who the sons of God are in this day. They're the peacemakers. So God puts you in the planet to make peace. Understand the word son is the word huios, which means father-likeness. Are you ready for this? You are never more like your heavenly father than when you're making peace. Amen. I'm going to say that again. You are never more like your heavenly father than when you are making peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Every time you make peace, you crush the enemy. Every time. And the God of peace shall crush and bruise the enemy underneath your feet. Say yes. In verse 10, we see dominion is restored here. This is the kingly anointing. There is a kingly anointing that is coming now. We have function as priests in the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years, but we've yet to move on our kingly anointing. 
it was in the wilderness where God raised up priests. There was no kings till they crossed over in the promised land. So during the church age, remember what God said concerning, or what Stephen said about the children of Israel? He called them the church in the wilderness. For 2,000 years, that was a prophetic picture. For 2,000 years, we've been the church in the wilderness. All we've known is the priesthood. We've not known the kingly anointing. But God has made us kings and priests under our God. We are coming into a season where God is raising up his apostles uh, 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 to raise up, and it's a kingmaker anointing. Hallelujah. Now understand, uh, and, 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 the, and the Old Testament, the Levitical priesthood were not kings. They were priests only. And they had compassion on people, but they couldn't deliver people. Do you remember the man that was laid up at the gate called Beautiful? They said that, that that Levitical priesthood would carry him every single Sabbath and bring him to the door, but could not take him through. And they would lay him down. Now, they had compassion on him. They would bring him to the door, amen, but they could not deliver him. But there was a new priesthood that was inaugurated. It wasn't after the order of Levi. It was after the order of Melchizedek. They weren't just priests, but priests and kings. It was Peter and John. Hallelujah. Now, we got here a, a, a man who's lame uh, at a gate called Beautiful. We got, we got, we got an ugly situation but we got a gate called beautiful. And Peter and John, this new priesthood, hallelujah, comes up and they look not just with compassion, they look with compassion, but they were able to do something about the problem. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have do we give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they went running and leaping and praising God, this man. Hallelujah. So this kingly anointing, we've had compassion on creation, but now God is going to add the kingly anointing that will enable us and empower us to do something about situations. Someone say yes. This royal priesthood empowers you to run, leap in praise, outrun your enemies, leap into destiny, and be a praise unto God and all the earth. Hallelujah. Everyone say the kings are coming. Adam fell from his position. We have been caught up to a royal position of dominion, a seat of authority. Adam was subject to disease, heartache, lack, poverty, depression, and sorrow, but a company kings will be caught up, not caught out, caught up, hallelujah, above all these things. In verse 11 and verse 2, as for thee also by the blood of the covenant I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water, turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners, not just prisoners, but prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto you. We're about to see the benefits of the blood covenant like no other generation. We are part of an eternal kingdom. Do you know there's incredible benefits in the kingdom of God? I mean, the benefits that God offers in the kingdom are so much better than anything you can get where you work from. I mean, we have a life insurance policy that's eternal. It's incredible. I mean, think about the health insurance benefits. <laughs> he says he'll heal everybody. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. In fact, we have flood and fire insurance. Isaiah talks about that. When you go through the waters, I'll be with you. <laughs> in the midst of the fire, you won't be burned. We have these incredible benefits that God gives us in the kingdom of God. We are about, listen to me, we are about to experience, hallelujah, the benefits of this blood covenant that was made like no other generation. We are about to see the distinct advantages of serving Christ in his kingdom. 
Hallelujah. In fact, so much so that we're going to see as what takes place here, there was a turning. We're about to see a turning of the captivity. And I want to talk to someone right now that may feel like they're in a prison. God is about to turn your captivity. In fact, what God said he's going to do in this day, he spoke to me. He says, I am going to give an in your face to your enemies. God is going to bless you. Listen to me. When God blesses you, he doesn't bless you somewhere behind closed doors. He says he prepares a table for you right in the midst of your enemies. He can make sure your enemies see that I'm going to bless them right in their an in your face blessing. Come on, tell your neighbor I'm about to get an in your face blessing. And you know why he does this? He doesn't do it to torment your enemies. It's because your neighbor needs to see how good God is in your life. Your neighbor needs to see that he's a healer and a deliverer and a provider. The world needs to see. I want to make my enemies so jealous they say I want to serve the God that Mark Kaufman serves. I want them to bind to the kingdom and the God that I serve. I want them to see me so blessed that they would say, why would I not serve a God that blesses a man like that? Someone shout yes up in here. Hallelujah. Understand in this apostolic father, son, wineskin, you are rendered double. The double portion anointing only flows from father to son. It doesn't come to Christians. Amen? Because it is inherited from father to son, so therefore you can expect a double portion on this house. In fact, I'll say it this way, the double portion is here. Understand something, let me define this, because I've heard so many people over the years talk about what the double portion looks like, and I just want to say, please define it for us. So let me try to help you with a little bit that I may know about it. Hallelujah. The season of the double portion is when the father comes to bless the son, the firstborn, that which is covenantally his. In the Old Testament, there was a time and season the father would bless the firstborn son with what was covenantally his. Hallelujah. Now, who is the firstborn son? Jesus. Amen? You, you have to get this. So please understand this. I'm going to make it plain. God is not coming to bless you. He comes and blesses the firstborn. Can I say it this way, but the firstborn is in you. <laughs> so it's not necessarily you that he's blessing. He's blessing the firstborn son that is in you. Oh, that's exciting. Hallelujah. We are what Paul said, hallelujah, in Hebrews. He says we are the church of the firstborn. And so we are the church of the double portion. Can I say it this way? I'm going to give your church a second name. Can I do that? You are the church of the double portion. There is a double portion anointing that is assigned to you. The season, it is the season that God comes to bless his sons, male and female. There's nothing that you can do to stop it. There's nothing man can do to stop it. There's nothing hell can do to stop it. And even with all your idiosyncrasies and craziness, God's still going to bless you. And can I say it this way? He's coming to bless you because of all that you've been through. Just tell someone I qualify for that one. <laughs> yeah, because I'll put some scripture on that in Isaiah 61. Hallelujah. He says he will give you double for all your trouble. For all your delays and disappointments and setbacks, God's going to come and bless you just because of all that you've been through. My God, I'm going to be really blessed in Jesus' name. <laughs> are we still communicating? Hallelujah. But I know some of you are so perfect you qualified for this at birth. 
We're talking to real folk today. Can we do that? Amen. <laughs> Amen. God's coming to bless you, not because you're so holy or so righteous, just because of all that you've been through. Hallelujah. Everyone say, just because. You know, my son, my youngest son, he's 15 years old. And for all three of my boys, we've already set aside quite a bit for their inheritance. And my son, Christian Mark, is 15. And he's already asking for inheritance. <laughs> he's not even old enough to drive. He's already picked out his car. So he came and he showed me what car he wants. It was a Lamborghini. <laughs> I said, yes, son, when you get to the MBA, you can buy that Lamborghini. <laughs> but how many know it's his? Though he doesn't have it in possession. And what does Christian Mark have to do to get that? One thing, grow up. The church only has to do one thing. We don't name and claim our inheritance. All we do is grow up. I need you to understand this. If you want a promise from God, you have to overcome something. Right? To him that overcomes, receives the promises. Amen? If you want a harvest, you have to sow something. If you want an inheritance, all you have to do is be someone. Come on, somebody. Be a son, and as a son, when, as the church matures and grows up, there is an inheritance laid up for us. Hallelujah. Not in the sweet by and by right here. I was raised by my grandfather. He was the prophet. My mom had to work long hours. She was a single parent. And so my grandpap, who had retired and was a prophet, he raised me, and it was God-ordained. I got to spend 12 years of my life with him. And he always told me, he said, he called me son, son, when, when I'm gone, and he was a very wealthy man, I, well, I, I used to tell him, the only thing that I want from you, pap, is I want that pocket watch. He had the most beautiful gold pocket watch when he got, when he was 12 years old. And I said, that's what I want. Well, when I turned 12, he passed. And so my uncle had taken the watch. Well, mama, my mama, you're not going to take her boy's watch. So she called up Uncle Jim and says, Jim. She says, you can't take that watch. Well, there was a long fight over the watch. Finally, my mother got the watch. And so when she come home with the watch, I'm, I'm excited because, you know, here, you know, Pap just passed away, and now I'm going to get to go watch. I says, Mom, can I have the watch? She says, you can look at it, but you can't have it. She says, you're not ready. You're not mature enough to get this. She says, when you grow up, I'll give you this watch. Well, she gave it to me last week, but <laughs> finally. <laughs> But all I had to do was grow up to get it. Come on, somebody. Everybody says, time to grow up. While most of the church wants to go up, we just need to grow up. And as we do, there, are, there is an inheritance laid up for us that is far beyond our wildest dreams and imaginations. Say yes. Hallelujah. Verse 13, we're moving right along. When, God says, when I have bent Judah for me and filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as a sword of a mighty man. Let me unpack this. Judah, the father, is the bow. Ephraim was his son. He is the arrow. Bow and arrows are symbolic of the father-son order. Listen to me. Psalms 127 says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the sons of thy youth. 
You can't have a quiver of arrows without a father. This church is a quiver full of arrows. And it's already begun with buffalo. And what God is doing, he's raised up this couple right here as your spiritual parents. And they are the bow. You are the arrows. 2019, mark this down. Hallelujah. In 2019, there is going to be a shooting of the suns for throughout this region that is literally going to blow your mind. Get ready to be shot forth as sons in 2019. In verse 14, let me move quickly here. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrows shall go forth as lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet and shall go forth whirlwinds from the south. He will go forth as whirlwinds of the south. Everyone say lightning is here. Let's unpack this, what lightning means. Lightning is powerful because the sons of God shall be like lightning. Hallelujah. Things are about to move fast. Get excited. How many know that most of us have been today, it seems like God's been procrastinating? <laughs> Come on. There's things that God and promises God has given us, and we wonder, okay, God, where are the promises of our forefathers? Where's the promises? We're shifting season when we're moving from the day of preparation Listen, we've been in a season of preparation. Now our feet are moving into a new season. It's a season, listen to me, of demonstration. And now God's going to begin to move in lightning speed. You'll be like flash before you're Superman. We're going to be moving at an accelerated pace. Let's talk about acceleration, what it looks like. Acceleration. Remember Aaron's rod in Scripture? The Bible says that, that overnight, overnight, it bloomed, blossomed, and brought forth fruit overnight. That's acceleration. Are we communicating? The scripture tells us the plowman will overtake the reaper. How many like that? As soon as you put the seed in the ground, you're harvesting the next day. You sow one day, you reap the next day. We kind of been seeing this. I kind of feel like uh, I'm a spy that's gone in the land and experienced some of this because the Lord told us five years ago, we had a small church. We had it for outreach, a pastor in our community. He had uh, lost the church he was in. They had nowhere to go. And the Lord said, sow this church into his life. It was a very inexpensive, about maybe $150,000. A little church held only 99 people. We had it all redone for him perfectly. We sowed it in his life. They could not believe that we did this for them. I didn't even think it was sowing. I just, here, I just, it was a gift. I wasn't even saying, God, I'm planting this and I'm expecting something else. But within a few weeks, I get a phone call and we got a multi-million dollar studio given to us. It didn't take years for that seed. We sowed it in the ground one day. A few weeks later, we reap a mighty harvest. Come on. This is what's happening. It is a season of acceleration. Lightning is here. Everyone say lightning is here. In fact, it's like the former rain and latter rain all in one season. It's like water turning to wine. I mean, what happened with the fermenting process? It was the best wine. Hallelujah. The process is being moved out of the equation. We're in a season right now of acceleration. Hallelujah. Elijah outrunning Ahab by foot. I mean, Ahab is in a chariot. Elijah's on his foot. He, I'd love to see that video someday. And he outruns King Ahab. And I says, God, what are you saying? He says, tell my people they're getting ready to outrun their enemies. 
If you have sickness in your body, get ready to outrun sickness. Get ready to outrun poverty. Get ready to outrun lack. Whatever enemy, hallelujah, has been chasing you down, get ready to outrun them in Jesus' name. How about the woman bent over? Suddenly she's healed on the Sabbath. A nation could be born in a day. How about in the days of Elisha? The Bible says, he says, this time tomorrow, come on, famine broken in one day, lack and plenty within, from lack to plenty in 24 hours. How about what Peter said? He says, a day to the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Now in God's economy, okay, one day is a thousand years to us, right? Now think about that. So a thousand years to us is just one day to God. If that be true, Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, in God's eyes, day before yesterday. But to me, it means something else. It speaks of acceleration. What would take 1,000 years to do, God can do it in one day. Expect acceleration to come. Hallelujah. In fact, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. How many of you have gone through long, drawn-out battles? Can I show you? Show, you're in a battle. You've been going through this long, drawn-out battle. Hallelujah. Expect your enemies in the season to fall like lightning. Yeah. Suddenly, quickly. Hallelujah. Then the Lord says in this passage here, he says, I will blow the trumpet. He didn't say, you'll blow the trumpet. I'll blow the trumpet. Which means this to me, God spoke this crazy thing to me. He said, son, he says, you're not going to have to toot your own horn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow the horn for you. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to favor you. I'm going to raise you up. Hallelujah. I'm going to bless you. Whirlwind is coming. What was Elijah taking up? He wasn't taken up in a chariot. The Bible says a whirlwind took him up. Elevation, promotion is coming. We also know, too, that, that a whirlwind can change landscapes. Expect your landscapes to change. Verse 15 and 16. The Lord of hosts shall defend them. Everybody say them. Yes. And they, say they, they, shall devour and subdue with sling stones. And they shall drink and make a noise as through wine. And they shall be filled like bowls as the corners of the altars. And the Lord their God shall save them. And look how corporate this is. And they shall be stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign in the land. For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. We see the thems and theys in the scripture. In this season, there's no lone rangers. In fact, even lone ranger had a tonneau. Come on, everybody. Right? The day of independent spirits are over. The promises I'm giving you are corporate as much as individual. Because your individual, listen to me, write this down. Your individual destiny is found in your corporate identity. Your individual destiny is found in your corporate identity. So therefore, your corporate identity in this family and your involvement, your participation in what God is doing here, is, it becomes a catalyst for what God will do, you, do for you personally. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says the new wine is in the cluster. Destroy it not, for in it is a blessing. The new wine, the new thing God's doing is not in an individual. In the last era, it did. Oh, the Benny Hins, the Catherine Coleman's, the A.A. Allen's, right? It was in the big grape. But now it's in the cluster. 
and destroy it not, for in it is a blessing. There is a blessing in the corporate anointing. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. Tell someone I'm sitting by a blessing. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says, as he is, so am I. No, so are we. So you understand, the only way as he is right now in all his glory, all his splendor, all his loveliness, hallelujah, it is never revealed in one individual. As he is, so are we. When we get to heaven? No, in this world. In fact, to Solomon, Solomon says, he's altogether lovely. This is how God said it to me one day. He says, when you're all together, my loveliness appears. When you are all together, my loveliness and my beauty appears. In fact, there's a part, I said this yesterday, there's a part of God in you right now, a piece of God in you right now. If you don't express it, we miss that part of God. Because no one can do it like you, say it like you. No one can. And so you can't hold back. If you do, there is a piece of God that we miss. Hello, somebody. I need to see the God in you. It's a part of God I'll never see without you. We're almost done. In this order, we know God also is our defender. The mantle of the king will come upon you. King Jesus, the Lord said this to me recently. He says, I will not rest until I bring all your enemies under your feet. Hmm. I will not rest until I bring all your enemies under your feet. See, he will not rest, King Jesus will not rest until every one of his enemies become his footstool. Now I'm going to give you a principle right now. If you get this, it'll change your whole perspective on problems. Because many times we see problems and circumstances when they come, and to us they're a stumbling block, right? We look at, oh my goodness, this is, how do I get this out of my way? Understand, problems are not a stumbling block, they're a footstool. I will make your enemies your footstool. So what God does, he will send an enemy and make that enemy your footstool. Because what does a footstool do? It allows you to reach things you could not reach without them. Now, my son now is almost six foot two at 15. But, you know, going back six, seven years ago, we had a little footstool in the kitchen. We have an older house, and a lot of the cabinets are up real high. And so if he wanted to reach something up real high, he'd go get that little footstool, and he'd set it out. He'd reach up, climb up on the counter, and that's how he would get it. It was the only way he could reach what was in those, all the suites that were up in the cabinet was with the footstool. And the daddy would come down at night to get a glass of water and trip over the footstool because <laughs> he wouldn't put it away. Amen? It's the same thing. What God does, I love the scripture, Psalms 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until all your enemies have been made your footstool. It is the most amazing scripture in all of the word of God. It is the only scripture that is in the word of God eight times. There is no scripture like it. It is my favorite passage in scripture eight times to ace the number of new beginnings. Anytime God sends an enemy, get ready for a new beginning. Yeah. And I think it's a very important passage if the Lord thought, I need to repeat this eight times to make sure my people get it. Hallelujah. The Lord said to my Lord, sit down at my right hand until all your enemies have been made your footstool, verse 2. And he says, for out of Zion shall come forth a rod, a rod of authority. And this season, God is giving his kings rods, crowns, and mantles. And one of them is a rod of authority so we can bring our enemies under our feet. I think it's so incredible 
that the same place he makes our enemies our footstool is the same place we worship. We worship at his footstool. Hallelujah. So think about this. There must be something powerful about your worship that turns your enemies into a footstool. Hallelujah. I love the praise and worship here. I mean, it's incredible what you have going on in praise and worship and the anointing that's upon this team and in this house when you worship. But worship is something more than a Sunday morning event. It becomes a lifestyle. It is more than a song. It is a lifestyle in how you live your life. I worship God by how I raise my children. I worship God by how I love my wife. I worship God by how I do business and how I treat uh, at my church members. Hallelujah. Worship is much more than a song, though song becomes the epitome. It's an expression of your worship. Hallelujah. So we worship at his feet. There's no verse like this throughout all scripture. Moses would not have reached his destiny without a footstool named Pharaoh. Joseph would not have reached, come on, prime minister if he didn't have a footstool called his brothers. Gideon would never have been a judge without a footstool called the Midianites. Think about Daniel. Daniel would have never reached his position in Babylon without a footstool called a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have never have reached their destiny in God without a footstool called a fiery furnace. Esther would have never fulfilled her purpose in God without a footstool called Haman. Every one of you, God will always send an enemy for you to overcome that become a footstool for you to reach your destiny. In fact, we need to change our perspective when it comes to our problems. The Bible says our light affliction is but for a moment, but it works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things that are seen, but things that are unseen, because things that are seen are temporary, things that are not seen are eternal in God. Our light affliction is but for a moment. And I know some of you, it seems like some of you, what you're going through is much more than a moment. But compared to the weight of glory, he says your affliction is light light like a feather compared to the weight of glory that's coming so if you're going through some affliction right now whatever that may be compared to the weight of glory and he says your light affliction works for you you employ your problems they're working for you they're serving god's purpose in your life i know this isn't exciting we're talking about affliction right now and no one wants that in your life but it's the only way that you will reach your destiny in god there will always be footstools that will allow you to reach. In fact, I just wonder, I just wonder, when the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is what? It's what? It's what? If it's laid up, how do you get it? You may need a footstool to reach what's laid up. So if God is going to, come on, if he is going to take the wealth of the wicked and bring it, he don't bring it down, we got to go up to get it. And it's going, to take, it's going to take an enemy to become a footstool to reach the wealth of the wicked. Someone say yes. We shall devour and subdue with sling stones. Hmm. Devour means to eat, to consume, and to feed on. As we are crossing over, there's going to be giants. But I think I got some Caleb's and Joshua's in the, in the room. In fact, let me say this to you as I'm coming to a close. It's my second closing. 
We are no longer the Joshua generation. From the 1950s until 1988 was the Moses generation. My father was part of that. And those are the ones that brought us out of Egypt, started coming out of religion, bringing us out of, out of sin. In 1988, the prophets began to declare, this is the Joshua generation, there's a change of the guard. 1988, all around the world, they prophesied, that was the Joshua generation. But now we're shifting. If you would go into Joshua, don't go there, but not now, later. And you'll find there's 24 chapters in the book of Joshua. The first 12 chapters, okay, are about taking the land, the inheritance, and that had to do with Joshua. But a shift took place in chapter 13. It was a shift, the mantle changed, and it went from Joshua to Caleb. And now we're the Caleb generation. How do I know we're the Caleb generation? Because there's a whole lot of talk about taking our seven mountains. What did Caleb do? He took mountains. Hello, somebody. So we're shifting from the Joshua anointing to a Caleb anointing, and we're rising up, and the giants are bred for us. Hallelujah. Understand something, when you have a problem, hallelujah, and you eat your giants, it is the breakfast of champions. In fact, the assignment on this generation is to take out giants. What did Caleb do? He took giants out. There's an anointing you for to deal with all the giants that are in your mountains. Don't be afraid of your mountain. There's a Caleb anointing. Hallelujah. Joshua was a commander. But Caleb was a conqueror. I think it very unique. His name means dog. Let me say it this way. The kingdom is going to the dogs. <laughs> I tell someone it's a doggy dog world. But this is the Caleb generation. There's never been a generation like this. And God has preserved you. Think for those 12 chapters. He was the last one to receive his inheritance. And he got a mountain. Hello, somebody. And he left an inheritance, amen, for his children. Hallelujah. We are the Caleb generation. We're about to go in and conquer the mountains, and we're about to present them to King Jesus. And let me say this right now. The earth is not the devil's. It never has been Satan and his cohorts. The meek shall inherit the earth. The earth doesn't belong to the devil. It belongs to Mr. and Mrs. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, and his church, his bride. It belongs to us. The meek shall inherit the earth. Hallelujah. This generation is anointed to take out giants, subduing with sling stones. Reminds me of one giant killer called David. You know, David slew Goliath, but his kinfolk, how many know, how many know he took five stones? When he took five stones, it wasn't like, I'm going to take four more just in case if I miss... <laughs> No, understand, Goliath had four brothers. So he, so he takes five smooth stones, he puts them into his shepherd's bag, goes down. He's only going to use one. I kind of think it was the apostolic stone, but I think he takes them out first. But then, listen to me, then, then David's mighty men took out Goliath's kinfolk. Boy, this is prophetic. Jesus bound the strong men, and we spoil the house. I want that to register. Hallelujah. We are here and we're the generation that mops up the mess. Jesus already destroyed the works. Do we believe it or not that he destroyed the works of the enemy? I mean, he put it, listen to me, he put him on the unemployment line, quit employing the enemy, 
Don't give him a job. He's been unemployed. He destroyed the works of the enemy. He's no longer working. Amen? The only place that he has is what you give him. We are here to clean up the mess. Jesus bound the devil. We're the generation, hallelujah, that are here to clean up the mess. We're here to mop up the mess. Hallelujah. We're here to deal with all his kinfolk. Are we communicating? Hallelujah. Zechariah 12, 7 and 8, as I close. The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. Verse 8, in that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Listen to me. And he that is feeble among them in that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as an angel, and the Lord shall go before them. God is making praisers his priority. I want you to write that down. Forget that. He says, he says Judah, he will, he, listen, he will deliver Judah first. We know Judah means praise. So please understand this. Do not forget this. God is making praisers in this season his priority. His praisers will come first. He'll deliver you first. He'll save you first. He'll heal you first. He'll bless you, promote you. Hallelujah. Judah not only goes first, but they get things first. Hallelujah. And he also says that the weakest among them should be like David. This levels the playing field. Hallelujah. Which means this, I really don't care how you perceive yourself. If you feel you may be the weakest in this family, he said the weakest will be as David. I'm looking at a room full of Davids right now. That the weakest shall be just like David. Hallelujah. Tell someone you're sitting by David. Hallelujah. It levels the playing field. In verse 16, he says, you'll be stones in his crown. God will raise his children up in this day as a diadem in his crown. We're entering a time that the apostolic church will look and become like Samuel. The scripture says the hand, let's all stand because I want to make sure that we release this together this morning. Thank you. The scripture says the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. I'm going to repeat that. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. That's incredible. Hallelujah. So this, this prophet that had the word of God in his mouth, all the days of Samuel, God's hand was against his enemies. How many would like that? My God in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I would like it to be said of Mark Kaufman. All the days of Mark Kaufman, the hand of God was against his enemies. The Lord, the Lord began to speak to me. He says, in these days of the apostolic prophetic movement, in these days of the restoring of the kingdom of God, he says, I'm going to raise up Samuel churches. And the hand of God will be against Samuel churches. And God told me, I've never told this anywhere but my church. No one, God never released me to say this. This is the only church that he ever says, this is a Samuel church. I need you to get this. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. I declare the hand of the Lord will be against your enemies of this church and the city as long as there's a prophetic voice here, and there is. This house is a government center with a restraining order 
God told me to tell you, I'm giving you a restraining order against crime, drugs, witchcraft, evil, disease. The next move of God is going to be bigger than words. And the last season was about the excellence of words. And this season, it's about the excellence of his presence. And there is a presence that you carry in this house, corporately and individually. Please get this. Hallelujah. And the old order, once again, it was the excellence of our words. Amen? Wherever there was excellence of words, God used that. Remember the four lepers? They defeated their enemies. They broke famine. They spoiled the enemy's tent. They, plumbered, they plundered their wealth. And they did it without words. <laughs> Think about Simon Peter. Without words, his shadow healed the sick. No words. This next season is about the excellence of presence. The woman with the alabaster box, so powerful was her anointing and the presence she carried, hallelujah, it, rebu it rebuked and restrained her enemies, and she did it without words. Everybody say without words. Benjamin, I found this so unique about Benjamin. Do you know there is not one place in Scripture where Benjamin talks? But when Benjamin showed up, Brothers were reconciled. Property was given to his father. Come on. The famine was broken just by Benjamin showing up. I declare to you, get ready. As this church moves forward and as you leave this place, not from his presence but carrying his presence, hallelujah, even without words, God is going to begin to bring change and transformation. Now I'm going to make this decree over you, and I hope... But when I share this with you, can I get a little bit of music, please? Thank you. I want to declare this over you. I believe in the corporate anointing. That's what I preach. But I also believe it has to start with people. It always has to start with a man or with a woman. So I need you to get this. God always starts with a man or woman. Right? He looks to and fro to find a man or woman to what stand in the gap. Just wants to start with a man. He doesn't need a lot of people. He doesn't need a big church. Amen? Usually God starts with small things anyhow. It's just a mustard seed. Right? The woman at the well, what did she say? She said she ran in the city and come see what? A man. Because that man was the move. Every mighty move of God throughout history started with a man or woman. Philip, one man, started a move and broke the curse off Samaria. God created one man, Adam. Out of Adam, he one man. He created one man. Out of one man, he pulled out a woman. Out of the woman, he pulled out a family. Out of the family, he pulled out a nation. One man. God just needs one man. One person who will be willing and obedient in the day of his power. And the possibilities are endless. God starts with one. Moses, one man, said yes. And from one, that one man become a move, and out of that one move become a nation. God can create a nation with one man. He can change a city with one man. One woman, that's all he needs is one. Everybody say one. I'm thankful this man and woman said yes to the call. If not, I wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be here right now. Aren't you glad they said yes? Just, just yes, one man. One man to say yes, one woman said yes. I need each every one of you to say yes. Because everyone in this room is chosen for greatness. God doesn't make mistakes. 
If God puts you in the belly of your mama, it's a sign he has need of you. It's impossible for God to make a mistake or to fail. Come on, somebody. There is no such thing as illegitimate children. Really? Just illegitimate parents. <laughs> but not children. It's impossible. In fact, God is not a cloner. He's a creator. There's nobody like you. Nobody like you. You are uniquely and wonderfully made by the hand of the Almighty God. He made you just the way you are. There is no one in this room the same. It's just like there's not one snowflake, not one leaf. Come on, somebody. God must love variety. We have all these racial problems in the U.S. I just want to tell people, hey, this is God's doing. He made us this way. People get caught up over skin color. Come on. I can't help it. I'm a white. I mean, I'm white, but I'm a black man trapped in a white body. I don't know how that happened, but that's just kind of how it is. People tell me all the time, they get my CDs, and then when they meet me, they I thought you were black. I really did. I thought you were black. I don't know about you, but I love variety because God is a God of variety. Hallelujah. And all of this room, I mean, there are very unique people. I told you there's a part of you that we need to see. One man, one woman. Joseph, one man, fed a whole nation. One man. The nations came to that one man. Nehemiah, one man, had a dream and he reformed a nation. Touch your neighbor, say it only takes one. Your city's waiting on you. Your nation's waiting on you. Psalms 86 or 68, 6 says, God sets the solitary in families to bring out those bound in chains. The solitary. The word solitary means beloved son. It means one. One son is all he needs. Just one. If you say yes to the call upon your life and say, God, I don't understand. I, I, was, I was sharing yesterday. I, I'm, I'm the most... I'm, the most least likely to be up here. I should not be here. I had a speech impediment when I was born. I couldn't talk until I was 12. God sovereignly healed me. I should not be here. They told me in 12th grade, they says, we're graduating you because we don't want you back. They told me that. My science teacher says, he said in public, he says, Mark Kaufman is the least likely to succeed in life. A couple years ago, they called me up. They said, will you be the keynote speaker for the class reunion? He said, because they said, you're one of the most successful people that graduated from the class. Only God can do that. Amen. Only God can do that. I struggled through school. I went back and I got my PhD in theology and philosophy. That's a miracle. And I didn't do it for the name. I did it for me. I need to do it. <laughs> that was from Mark Kaufman. It built my own confidence. God says, do it. I did it. I got it done. If God can use Mark Kaufman, I was an orphan, had no daddy, couldn't talk, attention deficit disorder, still have that once in a while. <laughs> I ran from God for 15 years, not proud of any of it. Drug addict. I was the guy you didn't want to be around. And God apprehended me one day. And, 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 and I don't know, I, maybe he called you, he cornered me. <laughs> I wasn't looking for God. I was in a bar. Literally, on a Sunday night. You know God goes to bars? 
That don't mess with your religion. <laughs> it was Sunday night. And he come walking in a bar at 11 o'clock at night. I walked in, I had a cigarette in one hand, a beer in another hand. And one of my old friends came up to me. I says, hey, where's your cousin Tony? Haven't seen him down here for a long time. He says, oh man, he got Jesus. He's preaching now. He said, good to see you, Mark. He walked away. And God says, when are you going to get Jesus? The convicting power of God come on me. I begin to cry right there. Put my beard down, put my cigarette out. I told my friends I'll be in the car. They said, we just got here. I said, I'll be in the car. Take your time. God met me in a bar that night. He cornered me. He didn't call me. I wasn't looking for him. I was out doing my thing, trying to fill the void. And at that very moment, God called one man. And to look back over the years and see what God did through one man, just and it's not because I'm anybody, believe me. It has nothing to do with me. It's just because I said yes. Man, I feel God all over this room right now. God's just wanting every one of you just to say yes. He says, I will have a people that's willing in the day of my power. Just willing. That's all he needs is a willing people. God can make you his oracle, his prophet, his spokesman, his spokeswoman. All it takes is one. God's waiting on you. Your city's waiting on you. Ecclesiastes 7.28 says, I look for one among a, th among a thousand. You are one among a thousand. I want you to really believe that. You're one. In fact, what it really means is you are equivalent to a thousand. When God sees a thousand people, he says you are equal to a thousand. The Bible says one will put a thousand, two will put ten thousand. I know we emphasize the two will put ten thousand of light exponential, but just the one can deal with a thousand enemies. That's you. Just by yourself. Think about the incredible dunas power you're carrying right now in you. Just you. It's not just your apostle and your pastor. It's not just the praise team or the leaders. It's you. It's you in the back corner. It's you sitting over here. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. God can use you. Believe me, if God did it with Mark Kaufman. When I got saved, no one believed I got saved. Because they literally gave up on me. And my parents were pastors. I called them up. They laughed at me. They thought I was joking. I called my sister. I said, I got saved. She hung up on me. She goes, quit playing jokes on me. No one believed that God could ever redeem my life. If God can do that for me, everyone in this room, look what he's done already in your life. Just one. Hell was so afraid of one man, Pharaoh sent forth a decree to kill the firstborn. The Queen of Scotland said, John Knox's prayers. I fear them so much, I fear them more than the assembled armies of Europe. One man, she says, I fear his, his prayers more than all the armies of Europe. One man with God is always the majority. All it takes is one. One man becomes a move. David, one man became 400 mighty men. Gideon, one man become 300. Caleb, one man takes a mountain, a whole mountain. Elijah, one man, took out 800 prophets of Baal. This one man called down fire. This one man broke famine. This one man released abundance. One man. Everybody say one man. Amen. Isaiah 60, 22. A little one shall be a thousand. A little one. Just one. 
I'll make it a thousand. A small one shall be a strong nation. I don't care how little you think you are in the kingdom, how small and insignificant you are, you are 1,000 to God. You are equivalent to 1,000. You are really special. You are unique. You are incredible. There's nobody like you. I am so honored to be here today in your presence because of who you are. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do through you in this church. You're about to be blown away. You're going to come to this church and say, Pastor, you have no idea what God did through me. All because you said yes. Deuteronomy 1.11 says, I will make you and bless you a thousand times more than your forefathers. A thousand times more. The Lord spoke to me. He says, this season of the kingdom, I'm giving an anointing called a thousand times more anointing. A thousand means a hundredfold. It flows from fathers to sons. It's exponential. If you could put 1,000, what will happen with this church? It's released with the father-son order. It is, listen to me, it is so powerful, it's disruptive and creative at the, at the same time. It disrupts the enemy's agenda, and it also creates new landscapes, wealth, and creative miracles. It is not a coincidence that the set man of God the first lady of this house are wanting you to believe in miracles because you're about to come in the beginning of miracles when Jesus listen to me when Jesus started his ministry it wasn't a coincidence that it was on what day the third day and it happened to be a wedding ceremony hallelujah we're a third-day people. We, we, we've heard this. You know this, this language, right? day of the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is as of one day. Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. In God's eyes, that was two days ago, which means we're coming into the third day of God. And prophetically, he says, on the third day was the beginning of miracles. We are just in the beginning of miracles. I believe you're going to come in, and not just miracles here, but miracles, listen to me, to you, in you and through you. I prophesy this, your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard, nor has it entered your heart the things that God hath already prepared for you. But by the Spirit, He's getting ready to reveal them. There are miracles, listen to me, prepared for you. God just needs you, one man, one woman, by faith, to believe that He's a miracle-working God and that I can do these miracles. Because as He is, so are we in this world. I like to do two things. Number one, I like to pray for all of you. Can you join hands with someone beside you? I am so honored to be, I feel like a part of this family because I'm a part of this wonderful couple here. You are, I said it yesterday to the leaders, this church is second to none. Your excellence, your honor, your servanthood, is impeccable. I go a lot of places and you don't find what's going on here just anywhere. Don't lose this culture because this culture is an atmosphere that's conducive for miracles. You know, Jesus was limited to doing miracles in his own hometown because the atmosphere wasn't conducive. Right? They just saw him, that's just Jesus. That's just the carpenter's son, right? So all he can do was a few, maybe 
healed some headaches. I don't know what he did, but he could not do many mighty miracles. He was limited. Even God was limited by an atmosphere. Are you with me? How many know it's not good enough to have the inherent nature of God in you? How many are born again? Kind of just wave at me. Thank you, right? You have the inherent nature of God in you right now. That's not enough. You also need atmosphere. You need atmosphere, right? It's not good enough to be a fish. If you put a fish on the land, it's going to die. It needs atmosphere. It needs water. Come on. How many know bird needs the sky? He needs atmosphere. God made atmosphere before he made Adam. He created a garden, the atmosphere conducive, hallelujah, to releasing sonship, releasing the nature of God. This atmosphere, this atmosphere, atmosphere here is wonderful. Not too many churches. I thank you and salute you both. Thank you for what you've created here. Thank you, every one of you, for what you've created. The corporate anointing is extraordinary here. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. the greater one that's locked up inside of these people. I can't release it. Only they can. They're going to believe that greater is he that is in them than even they are. And if they would just loose the Holy Ghost and let him go. If they would just give the Holy Ghost voice. Holy Spirit, our hands are your only hands. Our, our feet are your only feet. We are your body. The only mouth you have is our mouth. The only eyes you have is ours. When we touch someone, you touch them. So Father, I just pray that all over this room, there would be decision today that just one, one decision to say yes to the call of God. You said many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but who will really choose to say yes? I pray this church family here, corporately and individually, would just say yes to your will and to your way. I thank you for this family. I thank you for the future. The destiny is huge in this family. They're about to birth a season of miracles that will be a parade of miracles extraordinary miracles. We say this in your mighty name.